Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to a weekly look at all things high school sports around the South Plains. Powered by the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, here's the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. And hello everyone, I'm Carlos Silva, the sports editor of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, bringing you another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. And that means I've got Alexis Cubit with me, our high school sports reporter. She's had a little bit to deal with the last couple weeks with football starting, volleyball underway as well, especially with the District uh, 3-5A and then of course District 4-2A as well kind of starting up. We've got other districts starting up next week, Alexis, but I think uh, really the, the talk of the town, at least uh, when, when I was kind of going through stuff, Kelly Lozada and Monterey gets her 100th career victory, but not only that, but she's at the helm of a really, really good Lady Plainsman squad, which leads District 3-5A with the 5-0 and record. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's definitely an exciting time there at Monterey just because of you know, how well volleyball is doing. Um, you know, it's something that obviously they've been working for for a while, and just the way they've been able to go about district. I mean, I think they've maybe had one or two five-setters, yep. and so they've basically gone three or four sets. So these girls are just coming out of the gate and dominating, and I think it's really exciting for Coach Lozada to see. And then, you know, like you mentioned, her 100th career win. I mean, you couldn't have happened during a better season, you know, so... Absolutely. And of course, uh, as we talk the Lone Star Varsity podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about volleyball for right now, but we'll switch into football. And of course, uh, for those that are listening for the second segment, I've spoke to, I've already spoken to friendship head coach uh, Jay Northcutt, who got a huge victory over Lubbock Cooper. We'll talk a little bit about that during our football segment in this part, but don't forget to listen to that at the tail end of this podcast uh, had a lot of good things to say about a guy named donovan smith who i mentioned last week could be an x factor and some other things as well where i kind of mentioned well maybe we should have uh, looked a little bit more into the tigers as all of us picked lubbock cooper to win last week and you know what that means major motivator so tigers good good job for you but for right now talking volleyball lexus i know you mentioned monterey another team that kind of uh, is kind of on the cusp of doing some good things as well uh, Lubbock Cooper at one point looked like they had something. They're one and three in district. Same thing with Coronado. Bunch of young kids, but it seems like in the middle of district going into tonight, you have a chance to kind of get yourself back into contention at this point with a one and three record. You can still get back to five hundred and kind of get yourself in the mix again. I guess what what have you seen from those two squads so far? Yeah, you know, like you said, just a lot of youth. Um, I was able to get out to Coronado last week when they yeah. played uh, Caprock. No. Randall. There you go. Randall. And Randall was, I mean, they're obviously ranked in the state in the top 10 yeah. for a reason. So you kind of expect that. They've got some tall girls that know how to hit for sure. But um, I think, honestly, right now it's just a race for the fourth spot. Yeah. You have with Monterey, Amarillo, and Randall, I don't see that changing as far as getting the playoff spots. Now, there might be a little bit of shakeup when those teams face each other later on in the district and as far as, you know, seeding one through three. But I think right now everybody's fighting for that fourth spot. And I don't think it's totally out of the grasp of a Coronado to get that one. They'll obviously have to, to battle there with Cap mm-hmm. Rock and, uh, and Plainview and Lubbock Cooper, like you mentioned. But, um, yeah, I think you pretty much kind of 
see the 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 order right now of how everything's going to go. Totally agree with that. And then, of course, if you pick up the paper on Tuesdays, we have those district standings. If not, and you're listening to this podcast because you love us, uh, we'll go through those real quick. Monterey twenty five and six overall, five and zero oh. in district. Amarillo High is nineteen and eleven overall, five and zero oh in district. They are the two five and zero oh squads. There is one last undefeated team, and that being Randall, who we just. Uh, Mentioned twenty five and three overall, four and zero in district. Then you got Caprock at two and three in district, seven and uh, seventeen and twelve. Pardon me, overall Plainville eleven and thirteen overall, one and three in district. Coronado sixteen and eleven, one and three in district. And Lubbock Cooper, as we alluded to, nineteen and thirteen, one and three in district. And that just goes to what you were talking about. Those three teams, I feel like along with Caprock, because they're at two and three, have that chance to go for that fourth and final right. uh, playoff spot. And then just to kind of wrap it all up, Lubbock High, 10 and 19, overall 0 and 4 in district. Palo Duro, 6 and 8, 0 and 4 in district. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, you know, I mean, they're going through their first rounds. I guess mm-hmm. they'll uh, hit midpoint probably sometime within the next maybe A couple week. weeks. Yeah, I was going to yep. say. Probably not till October, but um, I don't really see much movement happening there just because of how, you know, those top three teams are just seem like they're just dominating right now. Um, like I said, Monterey there at number nine in the mm-hmm. rankings that came out last week, or yesterday rather, uh, Randall there who must be six or five or somewhere among that top. So, I mean, you have two teams like that. Emerald High, I'm sure, will be ranked next week depending mm-hmm. on how this week kind of goes. So, you know, it's. I think it's exciting to see a Lubbock school in the mix with those Amarillo schools yep. in terms of just being able to keep up with volleyball because obviously Amarillo High has had a lot of success um, in their program. So. Oh, just all the Panhandle teams all together, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> They're all really good. Yeah, so, you know, kudos to, to Coach Lozada and, you know, everybody over there at Monterey for, you know, getting up there. And, you know, mm-hmm. they're not the first, obviously, Lubbock team to get up there in recent years, but just right now is kind of their hot year, and they're definitely taking advantage. And then going to District 4 to a the one team that we cover in our Lone Star Varsity coverage area is Olton. They're 0-2 in district right now. Still still some time to kind of turn things around as you got a couple teams at 2-0, and but uh, we'll see in terms of uh, t- kind of turning things around just in terms of positive momentum going into the end of the season and then, of course, going into last season. But lots of things uh, to look forward to in terms of volleyball. Of course, don't forget, uh, if you're listening, I know some coaching staffs do, don't forget to email us at sports at LubbockOnline.com with all of your results, and we'll get those in the papers. I've spoken to a couple golf coaches, too, that texted and said hey if we send you something will this get in the paper and my answer is always yes we always do our best to get the kids names in the papers and and if you guys send us the results we will do our best to type it all up i was uh, having fun doing golf agate this weekend so that was that that was my weekend along with watching a little bit of college football but going to the high school football ranks there was a big game that you were at alexis i told you uh, it'd be a pretty fun one but didn't know how fun it would be when you go to four overtimes i guess just for your perspective was it everything that you thought and more it definitely was and i'm not saying this just to hype it up but it was probably one of the best high school football games i've ever seen just because of you know the there was so much intensity to it. Yeah. You know, I mean, coming out from the start, like just the, the booing of each other, and, you know, you hear about the rivalry, but mm-hmm. it got really heated as far as just those two schools, and I love it. You know, that's kind of what, what you, you, you know, 
you watch for and, you know, those kind of rivalries and stuff like that. So, I mean, from start to finish, it was great. You had, you know, at halftime where uh, it was tied, I believe, Mm -hmm. and then third quarter looked like Lubbock Cooper had pulled away because, I mean, over the past two games, that's what they do. Mm -hmm. You know, they come out of the halftime and they, you know, just dominate the second half. But then you've got friendship that's, you know, like, okay, well, no, <laughs> we're going to come back in the fourth quarter. And I mean, to have scored those 14 points in the fourth quarter, and then you go into one overtime, and then you go into two overtimes, then you go into three overtimes. And I was waiting for a sudden death, honestly. Like, I thought that was pretty much what was coming next. But they went into the fourth overtime, and then just for, you know, Colton Anderson to get that stop there, mm-hmm. um, it was just, I mean, I didn't even have the time know exactly what was going on I had to ask people because it was just so just intense and Mm -hmm. you know you're trying to pay attention and my glasses got broke so I had to use binoculars for the first time blame the dog right it was just kind of everything going on so it was definitely a very very fun atmosphere and you know you hate to I hate to sound like that person but you hate to almost have a loser in a situation like that because Mm -hmm. it's just like those kids battled for sure and it was just something fun to to be able to cover and to write about. Well, absolutely. And uh, I know I was joking with Don in a, obviously a newspaper sense for those that kind of want a little bit of a background. I was joking if that was actually going to get in the paper because it was about 11 o'clock as that game yeah. was closing in and we've got a midnight deadline. So we definitely have to get that in there. Fortunately, you type really fast and we were able to get that in. But um, in terms of that game, I thought it got more fun once overtime happened because you are expecting people to score once you get the back and forth action. Of course, you're not necessarily having to go up and down the field anymore. Yes, that does provide a little bit of theatrics, so to speak, going towards the end of that regulation. But you you technically got two games, if you really think about it. You got the the, the regular game, and then you got a more – I don't even know how to describe it, but I guess just a more thrilling – ending that you knew was going to happen it wasn't a matter of uh what was going to happen it was a matter of when it happened and of course you got as you mentioned colton anderson with that big uh big stop because he was able to fill the gap and friendship uh coach jay northcutt talks a lot about that when i speak to him in that second segment but i guess for you watching that many points get scored was it just uh almost I, I really hate to use the term, but I guess almost uh, Hollywood-like that there was a kid that made a big stop in a game compared to maybe a, a, a last uh, a game-winning touchdown, so to speak, that typically happens. Yeah, in you definitely got that kind of – well, first of all, it's a playoff atmosphere. You know, you kind of felt like yeah. afterward, okay, give these kids a gold ball just for simply, yes. you know, playing what was essentially time-wise another quarter, like you had mentioned. Yeah. Uh, but it definitely was something that – you you don't ever think you'll see in person just because yeah. you couldn't really write something like that. Well, you, know? you did. Right. Well, I, I guess I did. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> it's on lovekonline.com. Yes, there you um, go. But, you know, just even the fact that Jordan Maiden threw a two-point conversion to yeah. Jonathan Smith. Yeah. You know, I didn't even know what was going on there. It looked like things were falling apart. Mm-hmm. And you just see Jordan release it, and you're like, wait a minute, somebody caught it. You know, or even uh, one of the touchdowns that Friendship had gotten, it looked like the defender had uh, uh, broken or like broken the plane. Yeah, so I mm-hmm. can't even talk. Yeah. Um, and so he caught it. You know, it mm-hmm. looked like he didn't catch it, but he caught it. And mm-hmm. so you're just kind of sitting there like, okay, you know, marking down your stats incomplete. Oh, wait, no, that, that was a complete pass. They've yeah. tied the game now. Mm-hmm. So it was just one of those things where, um, 
yeah, it, it was just a really fun game and a really fun atmosphere. And, you know, you had a lot of difference maker in that game as far as Donovan Smith was yep. the difference maker in that game. Um, friendships defense did a good job with Isaiah and Nehemiah, even mm-hmm. though they were banged up a little bit. But, I mean, they they played like, you know, like I said, that they were going to state after this. And that's kind of, I think, what – Coach Northcutt and Coach Darden would want out of their kids, you know, as, or any coach for that matter, just for them to play like this was their last game. And I feel like the kids really did that. 300 yards or more than 300 yards in the air, four touchdowns, only one interception on 22 of 37 passing and over 100 yards rushing was Donovan Smith. I said he was going to be an X factor. What did he mm-hmm. prove to you? He definitely proved everything that um, – everybody thought he would be you know he threw really well and he was able to kind of make things happen with his legs and so um obviously that's a hard thing to kind of defend when you know you guys when teams are used to maybe being more pass heavy or more run heavy and that's what coach Northcutt had said when I talked to him last week before the game he says you know, we don't really plan out which one we're going to do. You know, eventually it all evens out just because you hope to run the clock down uh, at the end of the games because you're up. But you give what the defense gives you. You know, you take what the defense gives you. And so I think Donovan did a good job of being able to read the defense and knowing when to run and when to throw. Um, Actually, I made up – well, I didn't make up a stat, but I – just kind of observed that on fourth downs, he was two for two on run plays. And I believe both of them were touchdowns. Yep. And so that's just the kind of things that I mean when I say he was a difference maker and that, you know, he's, he's a smart kid, a smart football player, and he just was able to make the right decisions at the right times. Well, certainly uh, all the friendship uh, fans were happy in Wolfworth as the Tigers took another victory at home. And, of course, they've got the Wool Bowl going into this week against El Paso Andres. Uh, one will – where uh, Jay Northcutt and I kind of talk a little bit about it. It's a neutral site location, which is good because either Friendship doesn't have to drive the seven hours to El Paso, and El Paso Andrews doesn't have to drive the seven hours to Lubbock, so a little bit of safety safety concerns there, along with just kind of a cool little deal where you're playing. And uh, I'm trying to remember, is it Roswell? Roswell. There I'm you go, sure yeah. not that is, but it's Roswell. It's in New Mexico, and oh. it's known for uh, a little bit of UFO stuff. So. Oh. Yeah. There, there you go. You can kind of look that up. But, yeah. <laughs> but but for all the people that are looking for that, that one should be a good one as well, just to keep, see if the Tigers can kind of go into New Mexico and get a victory. Of course, there was a team last week that we thought was really going on the up and up, so to speak, and I'm talking about the Monterey Plainsmen. It looked like Corian Bailey and the offense were clicking. Then all of a sudden you play a team in Clovis, New Mexico, in New Mexico, and uh, your offense is kind of not there. And I think that's really uh, what we're going to see here as we kind of – Switch into this week, just because I thought Lubbock Cooper friendship deserved a, a lot of talk just because of what it was last week. We kind of kind of didn't talk that much about it last week, but I think Monterey not having that offense, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when they do play against a really good Lubbock Cooper mm-hmm. defense on Thursday night. That's going to be our first game this week. You'll be there, obviously, at Plains Capital Park at Lowry Field, 7 p.m. Thursday, also on Fox News Now since it's on Thursday. Um, I guess what are you kind of looking for from that? Obviously, bounce back from both teams potentially. Right. Are you going to see any offense from Monterey? What is Lubbock Cooper going to do with Cooper LeFaber after a, a really good uh, – I, I thought he had a pretty solid game considering. You know, that's the thing about just the way that 
uh, Cooper's offense is set up. And that's kind of, I think we talked about last week, I talked about it with Coach Darden quite a bit, is that we focus so much on Nehemiah and Isaiah, and deservedly so, but, you know, Cooper is coming there uh, at that quarterback spot and done a, a decent job, yes. you know, for someone who's just getting, you know, varsity experience. Under Going him. from JV to varsity. Right. Straight you up. Know? And so um, he he did what he was supposed to, and I thought he had a good game. Coming into this week against Monterey, I think it'll be another test as far as, you know, their defense goes. But I think yep. he's making a lot of good progress for sure. Speaking of teams that play really good defense post at Abernathy, that one's going to be a fun one on Friday. That's one I want to talk about just a little bit as we kind of go through a lightning round, I guess, afterwards. But I guess post at Abernathy, two teams that like to run the football, right. play really good defense. I guess what are you expecting from that one? I think, honestly, I'm kind of expecting more of a low-scoring game just because of the way their defenses are. Uh, one of the things that I was able to talk to both coaches with, then this morning and mm-hmm. this afternoon. And so, um, you know, obviously give a lot of credit to Abernathy's offensive and defensive lines. They're able to to really kind of produce for their teams. And, you know, post coach, uh, coach Pittman was talking about Tay Perez just as far as anchoring uh, both of those lines there at post. And so um, I think you're going to see a lot of running, which will run the clock down. Yep. Um, and then you'll see, I just – don't think it'll be a high-scoring game. Now, I said that, and it'll probably be a high-scoring game. But um, I'm just looking forward to seeing two two good running teams going at it. Um, they're both undefeated right now, which yep. adds another interesting factor to it. Uh, Abernathy's homecoming is this week, so that's another kind of little interesting little storyline. So Their mascots are also both the antelopes. So right. I have fun writing that. Yeah, I was going to say, my prediction is that the antelopes will win, so I can't yeah, go wrong. Yeah, that's lame. That's my joke. <laughs> that's lame, but I, I suppose that's a pretty good you one. You can't go wrong picking antelopes. That, that is true, but will you pick the home team antelopes or the visiting team antelopes? That's the question. Uh, I'm going to go with the home antelopes. Oh, there you go. Because of, um, just the, I mean, obviously both teams bring back a lot of experience, but I just feel like, you know, after that win against Wellington, kind of yep. getting that revenge, I think that they have gotten a lot of good momentum. And so, uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go with Abernathy on that one. All their young and talented players are starting to get that experience, and I think that's what's going to be uh, big time for Abernathy. And not only that, but Bryson Daly's a dude. Uh, right. I mean, I, th- there's not much else I can say about the kid. I mean, he's good off the field, good on the field, and Daryl Daly knows how to coach a football team as well. So. Uh, I agree with that one. And uh, obviously, just to kind of go through some lightning round stuff, last week, uh, Jeremiah and Jalen Dobbins did pretty well as the Matadors went to take on a big victory over Camp Rock, that being 35-14. to Jalen had a pretty good game along with Jeremiah Dobbins. He had uh, 178 of his 255 yards at halftime. Didn't have a touchdown, but Jalen Dobbins got all those touchdowns. So however you want to look at that. Any other ones that you kind of wanted to talk about going into this one? Because uh, like I said, there, there, there are some good ones, but it's just a matter of I thought Lubbock Cooper Monterey was good. Mm-hmm. Post Abernathy are good. What what are some other ones that kind of piqued your interest? Um, Just the Sudan when Sudan's got a new coach there, John Cornelius, yeah. and they just seem to be really rolling. Uh, one of the things he talked about was just how his system was conducive to someone like Christian Montez, and it's just showing this season. You know, Christian being kind of the the driving force of the team right now. He had five touchdowns this yep. past Friday, um, you know, and is sixth in the area as far as what we've received um, as far as that goes. So, you know, just nice to see kind of Sudan keeping that up because I believe they had a really good season last year, and mm-hmm. you know, it Nine seems and four. like yeah, or- so. I think. 
Nine, nine and something. I, I know they had nine wins last yeah. year. I'm, I'm bad at math. So. so it's just kind of a yeah. good situation for Coach Cornelius to come into there and just kind of keep things rolling. So good for them. And I guess just uh, with Christian Montez, I know you, you always talk about the, the five or sometimes four touchdowns each week that he has. It's from the from his arm and his legs. I mm-hmm. mean, he can do it both ways. It's not just one way that he's doing it. So that's why he's just such a catalyst for that offense. I guess uh, anything else you kind of wanted to mention? I know there's some big games this week, but it's just uh, I, I I just feel like Lubbock Monterey and Lubbock Cooper are going to be interesting. Yeah. Posted Abernathy. We've been wanting to get out to Abernathy. It's just one of those deals where sometimes you just have to kind of pick your spots. And I we feel like this is, yeah. And, and, and I, well, yeah, we, we do have a lot of high schools that we cover, but this one should be a good one as you got two antelopes kind of bucking it out, so to speak, kind of going through there. But, um, I, I don't know. What was there anything else you kind of wanted to mention? If not, I'll kind of go through all the stuff and we'll wrap this one up. Mm, Staccato and Hereford should be another good one. Yeah, no, uh, Hereford obviously a real good defensive team, uh, especially when they do play at home. So it should be interesting to see how Staccato goes against that one. That one could be one where I think Joe Cooley always talks about toughness and what he likes to see from his players. You're definitely going to learn that when you do play against Hereford. So it should be a fun one. Yeah, definitely. And then we've got our leaders in the area right now jeremiah dobbins obviously leading the pack there at estacado yep uh, no surprise corian bailey for passing is number one i tweeted out a couple of days ago or saturday he was close to a thousand but when i went yep. back and checked the stats he's now over a thousand yards there you go so good thing for uh for monterey there gus davis is still at the top spot for receivers in the area there at sundown uh, as far as tackle goes, it's actually kind of cool. They're at Seminole, Dylan Stokes with 50 tackles on the season so far. Um, I believe he's also their quarterback, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember. No, no, Jarrett or Baggett. You're, you're right. Jarrett J- Baggett. J- J- uh, Bagwell. 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 You you're right. But yeah, but no, I believe Dylan does play offense, too. Um, then you have about three three or four leveling guys there in the mix for top ten tackles. Yep. So just going back to that leveling defense. Yeah, that's not shocking. That one should be fun on leveling and Estacado play each other. Oh, yeah, for- yeah. Likely the district title. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, uh, I've said it since the beginning of the season. I'll say it throughout the season. If those two aren't playing for the district title, I would be super shocked. Yeah, yeah. I think that's. I think everybody kind of feels like that. That's kind of how the district is going to weigh out. Um, yep. Then, as far as interceptions go, you've got three tied for three interceptions with Ethan Ramirez from Smyre, Michael Hayda from Sundown, and Keaton Pearson, who's a freshman from a new home. Then as far as quarterback sacks go, Papa blew it at Estacado again there at the top. Um, and those are your stat leaders. Cool. And then, of course, for those that uh, are listening to us, uh, likely whenever we publish this on Tuesday or Wednesday, don't forget our Athlete of the Week is started up finally. we got Nadia Morales, a senior from Monterey, Keandra Butler, a senior from Snyder, Cassie Spears, a senior from Leveland for the Female Athletes of the Week, and then, of course, for male, Donovan Smith, who we've talked about. You already know what he did. Sawyer Robertson, a junior out of Coronado, also a really good quarterback, and Jeremiah Dobbins, who we just uh, detailed, a senior running back for the Estacado Matadors. Vote on all those. You can check that out on LubbockOnline.com or check out Twitter.com slash Lone Star Varsity or Facebook.com slash Lone Star Varsity to get the links to that. And then, of course, uh, the two that win, the male and the female, of course, get a free uh, ticket to our end-of-the-year banquet, which is always a good time. But uh, other than that, you good? I think that's it. Thanks, y'all, for listening. Appreciate you all listening. I'm Carlos Silva for Alexis Cubit. This has been another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. Appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you next week. And then, of course, don't forget, uh, in a couple couple seconds or a moment, we'll have friendship head coach Jay Northcutt.
And hello everyone, I'm Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, the sports editor for the newspaper, and you're listening to the second portion of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast, where we bring on a coach from a very exciting game over the weekend, uh, head coach Jay Northcutt of the Friendship Tigers. How you doing, coach? Doing great, Carlos. Well, I can only imagine how great you were doing. I'm sure during the moment, uh, d- during a four-overtime game, I can't imagine the, the old ticker was kind of treating you too too well at that point, right? Yeah, my heart rate and blood pressure were probably pretty high at that point, for sure. Uh, so I guess for you, Coach, I know we'll, we'll get a little bit into the game, but I guess just for you, uh, when you kind of either after you kind of looked at the tape today or this morning, we're recording this on Saturday, I guess what, what was the biggest thing you took away from this game other than the fact that obviously it was a big win for you all at home, but just uh, I guess j- j- just your emotions from that game and what, what you kind of took away and kind of told the kids afterward? Well, you know, uh, I just – Number one, told them how proud I was of them. And then you mentioned, you know, this morning going in and watching the film. and You know, what was really uh, – the, the thing that really stuck out to me was just the heart and the excitement that our kids played with, you know, from the get-go to the very last snap. Uh, you know, they, they really wanted to go out and and make a statement, and I, I felt like they did. And, and, you know, beating a team like Cooper that has had so much success recently. Um, it's just a big, big confidence for us and a big win for our, our program. So I know uh, everyone's going to be using the term statement win, but I guess for you and just kind of knowing where you all came from the last two years, you only had a 3-17 and 17 record, but to get this big rivalry win for you all, did, did you kind of consider this a little bit of validation for your all selves in terms of all the work you've been putting in and you kind of knew that this was coming? It just took a little bit longer than maybe you all were expecting maybe? Yeah, I think anytime you you know you get a big win like this in a in a, in a game like that when you when it's a, a rivalry game as, as some people like to call it, you know it, it definitely validates the um, the things that you're doing and the kids are doing. You know, just the investments that they've made, all the work that they've put in. You know, it just makes it feel like that it's that it's worth it and that you're heading in the right direction. And so, you know, I think that's what a what a big win like that can do for a program. Kind of going into it, coaches always have a little feel for how things are going to go. Did you feel like this was going to go for overtimes, or did you kind of have a sense for it? Kind of, kind of when you guys are going back and forth in in, in that fourth quarter there. Well, you know, I, I don't know that you ever feel like it's going to go for overtimes. Yeah. Um, you know, we got down there for a bit, two scores, and I was just really proud of our kids because they didn't panic, they stayed calm. We just kept playing, and we found a way to get back in the game. We we clawed and scratched and got back in and, and uh, you know, ended up going into those overtimes. And I even lost count of how many we were in at that yeah. one time. And, you know, found found a way to get it done. So just to kind of talk a little bit about the game, I guess, uh, or, or at least before we talk a little bit about the game, I guess how, how much uh, do you all kind of practice overtime stuff? Because I know especially four overtimes is, is a huge rarity in high school football. So I guess what was it just a matter of these kids just kind of knowing that they were in a – pressure situation you guys have practiced that or I guess what what are some things that you all have done during practices or off-season workouts that have kind of prepared these kids for something like that well you know oddly enough last year we went into overtime against Midland High yeah and and we ended up losing and, and I didn't feel like we were prepared for overtime mm-hmm. and so we made it a point from then on to always uh, practice the overtime situation and so we've been doing that uh, and I think that's helped us. And then I think it did help us that the week prior when yeah. we played Hershey, you know, we did have that experience in overtime. Obviously, that one didn't go like we wanted to. But I, I think those things, you know, helped us prepare 
prepare for that. So going going to the game, Coach, I know everyone's going to be talking about Donovan Smith. Everyone will talk about William Bayouth. But how big was Colton Anderson kind of filling that gap and kind of getting that last stop for you all? Well, it was huge. You know, um, Cooper is just a, a monster on offense with those backs that they have and the offensive line and the tight ends and, and the quarterback that can run and throw. And so, you know, it's just a monumental task just to slow them down. We had a hard time getting them off the field at times, but we made them earn every inch. They had a lot of a lot of fourth down plays where they picked up a first down and some, some third and long plays where they, they picked up a first down, you know, and they completed a couple passes. But when you're committed to – Stopping the run, you know, sometimes they're going to complete some of those big passes. So, you know, coming up on a fourth and, and two, I believe it was, mm-hmm. with, with Colton coming up and, and tackling that guy for a loss, that was just that was just a huge play, obviously. That's a, that's a, a, an understatement. So I guess what when that uh, play did happen, I guess what were the emotions for you? Was it just uh, excitement? Was it relief that, <laughs> that this game was finally over? Because it seemed like you guys were just going toe-to-toe, and even though you had to do two-point conversions, everyone was still doing it at that point. Yeah, you know, it, it was it was a little bit of all that, Carlos. It actually probably took a second or two just for it to kick in that we won, <laughs> you know, after yeah. all that. But, uh, yeah, it was a good feeling. So I know we'll talk a little bit about Donovan Smith, and you've had three games to kind of look at him. Being a Garland Saxe, you've had your fair share of quarterbacks. Is there anyone that he kind of reminds you of? At least for me, I know he was a left-handed quarterback, but Jalen Maiden really kind of sticks out in my mind in terms of his athleticism. Is there anyone that you can kind of look at him and kind of the the, the athleticism that he has that, that you've kind of coached before? Yeah, you know, he reminds me a lot of, of Jalen as well, you know, other than him not being a lefty. Yeah. Um, just because he – he has such a big arm, and he also has the ability to, to make plays with his legs, you know. And uh, He's just a special kid for those reasons, and he's a special kid for the character that he has. I guess what did he show you? I know obviously he had the four combined touchdowns and kind of all those things, but, but, but what was the biggest thing he showed you not on the stat sheet that maybe someone might miss that he kind of provided in that game for you all? Well, you know, he, he showed – um, things beyond just his talent, you know, since the day that he showed up, you know, yeah. just the importance that he placed himself on, on developing relationships with his teammates and building team chemistry. Uh, he's always a happy kid. He's a humble kid. Um, he's a good leader. Um, he, he really drives the herd for us in practice and in games. And, and, uh, you know, he's just, you know, sometimes when you get a kid that uh, has has some uh, D1 offers and they're coming in and you don't know, yeah, don't know them yet, you wonder about that stuff. But he's answered all of those questions and gone beyond. So he's he's just he's been great. Just realize I shortchanged him. He, he had six combined touchdowns, threw for 304, ran for 121. So not too shabby of a day for him. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, I'd I, say so. Yeah, and I know you can go ahead. Sorry. Go for those touchdowns. <laughs> sorry, but. You know, the thing that I thought was special about him is he ran for touchdowns, threw for touchdowns, and caught a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, and, and that was going to be the next thing uh, that, that I was going to kind of go to. I know we talk about Drew Hoka, Daniel Garland, kind of all those guys in terms of your playmakers, but a guy named Jordan Maiden kind of popped up out of nowhere. How much have you known about him, and I guess what what can you kind of kind of let the, the, the listeners know about him because he obviously kind of made some big plays for you on Friday night. Well, he's another great kid that, that is – uh, you know, really been a player for us uh, the last two years, especially, yeah. um, you know, and it's odd to have two kids that 
that that you know run for touchdown catch a touchdown in jordan's case multiple touchdowns and then throw a touchdown so we had two kids in that category but that's just how crazy the game was maybe it's because it was a full moon and friday the 13th yeah you know it kind of worked in our advantage maybe but uh, jordan just had a monster of a game and i couldn't be more proud of it so obviously without kind of giving up any details but i guess uh, how how far into the playbook did you guys have to reach for this one because it seems like uh, 61 (laughs) points is a lot of a lot of plays there coach Oh, it is. We we fired every bullet that we brought into the game and then some. You know, I thought the irony in the end that the coaches and I talked about was in the end, it came down to running some of the most simple plays that we have in our playbook yeah. and just executing. And, you know, those, those plays work because the kids, the kids executed them. You know, it's not really about the plays you call. It's about the players, you know, in the game executing the plays. So I know you talk about the coaches, uh, Chip Darden. I talked to him before uh, that game happened, and he said just having a rivalry game is obviously kind of fun, just kind of obviously excites the the home home crowd and all that. I guess how much did, did you kind of feel that excitement and energy on that field? Because uh, from what I understood, it was more than 10,000 that kind of filled up people's bank. Well, you know, I think it's uh, playing in, in that kind of environment and atmosphere that makes Texas high school football special. There's just not a whole lot of, a lot of other places that, where, you know where you have that opportunity and then to go in and play in a game like that and it be so close and be exciting for everybody you know even though sometimes i wish it wasn't quite as exciting yeah you know you don't have to go into all those overtimes and win but uh you know there's just nothing like it i think that's that's what high school football is all about what do you feel your team or your coaching staff or yourself learned from this victory playing a, a team like lubbock cooper who as you said has a real good running attack it seems like their quarterback cooper uh, Lefevre just is just really at playing at a high level at this point. Just before you all start district. Well, you know we faced some adversity with our loss against Hershey, and yeah. so we talked about bouncing back. Um, you know, and I knew that our kids. I've known that our kids are are, are very, you know, tough in the category of just perseverance and and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, after coming in and watching the film, like we talked about a little earlier, is it, it was very evident that they. They played with a lot of heart, and they gave it. They gave it everything they had, and and I and I think that's what we learned about our team is just how that how they handle adversity and and uh, and how they go into a game and just give our just with the goal of giving ourselves a chance to win. So obviously next week you're going to have a, a a new challenge, kind of one that was faced by one of our uh, teams in the South Plains, Monterey. You're going to be playing in Roswell, New Mexico against El Paso Andres in the Wool Bowl. I guess. What, what what are some of the challenges about playing in a neutral site, so to speak, to obviously kind of play a game like that? Well, you know, there might be some challenges, Carlos, but, you know, I would say it's a lot better than traveling five or six hours. To oh, that's Paso, true. So yeah, that is true. Definitely an advantage, you know, I think for, for both teams to, to meet at a neutral site in this instance, you know, um, you know, you always have to, to handle travel. I don't know that we handled travel real well the the, the first trip you know mm-hmm. out to wichita falls and yep. so hopefully we learn some lessons from that and we uh, improve in that category when we make this trip next week well certainly it's been a good season for y'all so far coach obviously uh, there's still plenty to be played but uh after that after that win against lubbock cooper certainly uh, y'all have certainly made the statement win as everyone will probably use the term this week but i i feel like it's been a validation victory for y'all so certainly uh, congratulations on that victory and we'll uh, certainly keep up with you going through the rest of the season sir Thank you, Carlos. I appreciate you. Awesome. Once again, that was Jay Northcutt, the head coach at Friendship High School. You've listened to another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. I'm Carlos Silva. 
Sports editor at the newspaper will talk to you next week.